0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Let into Gold the podcast about how alchemy became chemistry and all the funny things that happened in between.
1: My name is Thea. I am the resident chemist and research doer of this podcast.
0: And my name's Evie. I'm the resident English major of this podcast. I don't know how I got here. Please help.
1: (laughs) I believe you promised to do the hard part is what happened. Yeah,
0: that sounds like something I would do.
1: So today, we are going to be talking about oxidane, hydroxylic acid, that sweet, sweet juice that gets toxic minerals from the dirt in my town straight to my stomach, the molecule that makes life as we know it possible, water. Hey, finally,
0: a word I understand.
1: (laughs) I hope you understand the word toxic, just like for your own- I do
0: understand the word toxic, yes. Good.
1: My town has problems. It's fine. (laughs) Don't drink the tap water noted. I hope you are ready for your brain to hurt because I will be gushing about chemistry specifics far more in this episode than in the last one.
0: I am always ready for my brain to hurt when we start recording this podcast.
1: Good, because it's it's gonna my brain hurts. My brain hurts a lot. There's so much information about water. Have you seen my struggles? I've been complaining in the chat.
0: I have. It's very funny.
1: To fit this episode in 20 minutes, we're gonna have to keep it surface level.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I was hoping we would get some absolute bottom-of-the-barrel puns in this episode, and I am not disappointed.
1: <laughs> I've been holding that particular pun in for all of my complaining about how much I was going to have to cover, because I wanted to get I wanted to get it here. Excellent. And I'm not disappointed. Also, full warning, the reference list is going to be a lot shorter on this episode, because what I'm going to be talking about will be for the historical things, like things you get out of an encyclopedia article that doesn't really need to be cited. And for the modern things, um, I don't know how to word this in a way that doesn't sound like I know things. I'm a super smart person, but it's going to be the stuff I learned in my classes. It's like, it's from my brain. I'm not looking these up. It's, it's brain things. I can't cite my brain. That's pro- I, I, words, but yeah, there's not gonna be a lot of sources on those things in the document because the source is like organic chemistry textbook one, Chapter 15. So then Theo learned it for the test, and then doesn't have the textbook anymore, because it was rented. Because I don't have money. Anyway. Anyway. Water. Water is such an interesting molecule. Hmm. So from the start of recorded history, the earliest known civilizations were formed around areas where they would have access to water, because it's essential for life. Like, on a macro scale, you gotta drink water or you're gonna die. You need water to feed your plants once agriculture started being a thing. So all the ancient civilizations they formed around rivers by the ocean
0: you can't drink ocean water though
1: well no but you can like you can get fish out of it and you can find it i'm just trying not to exclude island nations i don't know things about okay yeah that's fair i i assume that there were probably people living in like on the pacific islands while there were like the ganges river civilizations and the cahokia and stuff I could be wrong, though, because I am here for chemistry, not history.
0: Yeah, I'm the humanities person here, and I don't understand things either. So, like, we're all good. Continue.
1: (laughs) Anyway, possibly because we have always known that we do need it to stay alive, there is a great deal of significance historically around water for a variety of religious purposes. There are many religions that have forms of, like, ritual washing, or they incorporate water into their creation stories. Um, So many that there's, I could not even, like, do a surface-level review for fear of leaving out a big one it's everywhere. On a micro scale, though, we would never have evolved to the point of having civilization or religion without water. Because like I said, as a molecule, it is incredibly unique. And this is where we are going to dig into some tough stuff. And I need you to be ready to ask me questions because I don't know what's common knowledge anymore.
0: All right. Stupid mode activate.
1: So water, two hydrogens, one oxygen. Oxygen's in the middle.
0: I know this part. And that's about where my knowledge ends.
1: Yes. So most of you have probably, like, seen a picture of the molecule at some point just to get to graduate high school or whatever. This is going to be a little bit off. I'm not doing exact angles, but it kind of looks like a capital L with the uh, oxygen at the base and then the two hydrogens coming out. This, oh, bother. Mm-hmm. Now, to understand why it's so unique and specific like that, you have to understand polarity of molecules. Um, i
0: know okay so polarity some of them are negatively and positively charged is this what is that what that is
1: yes so in your most basic level chemistry class you'll be taught that you know you have ions you have like this is a positive charge this is a negative charge and so they want to stick together i don't know i don't remember whether they cover this in high school chemistry or not but the other thing is that individual molecules Even when we say it has an overall charge of zero, like, water doesn't have a positive or negative charge. It's neutral. It's just water. But within the molecule, that neutral charge is not, like, completely evenly balanced. One side of it may be more negative than another. So
0: you're talking about, like, physically the molecule is, like, the right side and the left side might be different.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and that's based on something called electronegativity, which we don't need to get into. But basically, some some atoms like electrons more. And the electrons have the negative charge. And so they want to pull them to them. Mm-hmm. And oxygen is one of those atoms. It's very greedy. It's like, give me all of your electrons. And so the oxygen in water has a little bit more of a negative charge. And the two hydrogens have a little bit more of a positive charge.
0: All right. Yes, I'm tracking.
1: So, Yeah. Water is not the only molecule that does this because it's based on the atoms that are in it. And oxygen in particular, very electronegative, likes to grab all of those electrons and hoard them for itself. And there are a lot of molecules, particularly biological molecules, that do this. And that allows for something that is a concept called hydrogen bonding.
0: Can you give me an example of a molecule that's not water? Because I don't know any other ones and I would like to be able to picture this better.
1: They tend to be the like bigger ones that it's hard to picture. Um, I think I think hydrofluoric acid does that because that's just a hydrogen bonded to a fluorine. All and right. Fluorine is all is the most electronegative in the periodic table. So it'll pull the it'll pull the negative, the hydrogen will be positive, and then it's yeah.
0: All right. My brain is blazing over a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Hang on. Um I knew we were going to reach this point at some point while recording this podcast inevitably.
1: I'm basically this is something that we had a whole lecture about freshman year. And so I'm trying to go over it like super fast and that's not really
0: Yeah. So <laughs> so what's special about water is that it draws other molecules to it.
1: Um so it's got some negative some it's like a magnet. Like when you have okay. a magnet that has a north and south side? Mm-hmm. And the south side wants to stick to north on other magnets? Right. Yes. Right, except the one, the oxygen is one side and the two hydrogens are the other side of the magnet.
0: Right, yeah, okay.
1: And so the other thing that you should have gone over in like your basic chemistry classes is that there's different kinds of bonding that atoms and molecules can do, right?
0: Yeah, uh, covalent and hydrogen bonds?
1: Covalent and ionic.
0: Ionic, Okay.
1: Hydrogen bonds is what we're talking about because it's...
0: I'll take one out of two points.
1: You, you, you were very close. So ionic is when we have one positive atom, one negative atom, they stick together because there's a charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Covalent is when they um, share electrons and that gets very complicated and there's no reason to really get into it, but that's like biological molecules. Right. Hydrogen bonds don't make new molecules. All right. Covalent bonds do. When you look at the H2O in water, that's covalent bonds holding those together. Hydrogen bonds are between two molecules. And they are still their own molecules. They're not combining into a new molecule. They're just sticking together a little bit.
0: So is that the same thing as ionic bonds?
1: No, because ionic bonds are not my field of expertise, but those tend to happen specifically with, like, metals. Okay. And hydrogen bonds specifically happen with hydrogen and then one other atom of the various sorts that are one all the electrons. Okay. And so the thing about hydrogen bonds is that one of the molecules that's very, very good at them is water. And hydrogen bonds are vital for life to exist.
0: Right. Okay. Why?
1: Because they aren't a full bond. So they can stick together and then they can be undone. And then they can stick together and then they can be undone. And I... Don't want to get, like, too much, too much into it, even though I kind of really want to, because the eyes will glaze again, and I know that, and that's not fair. But it's, like, um, the very, like, at a cellular level, the way your DNA works, the way that respiration works, the way you get your energy, all of these functions, you trace it back, hydrogen bonds. You need those to happen. Okay. And... I completely lost track of where I was going because I was explaining hydrogen bonds. But when I brought this up, it was to talk about why we need water specifically. Because when DNA does it, that's not water. Mm -hmm. The thing about water doing it is that this is what makes water different from the next thing on the periodic table. All right. Because usually when you have, like, we have the periodic table sorted in columns, right? And so there's, like, sodium's above potassium. Mm -hmm. And so those two chemicals, when you put them in compounds, they act very much the same. There will still be differences because they're different elements, but you can predict a lot of their behaviors based on them being in the same column. Oxygen is in the same column as sulfur. It's directly above it. H2O is water. We drink that. That is the essence of life. Okay. H2S is hydrogen sulfide. The column determines some behaviors. H2O, we have two hydrogens and an oxygen. You go one down in the column, we have two hydrogens and a sulfur. Okay. When you have oxygen you get water which is vital for life when you have sulfur you get hydrogen sulfide which is a highly toxic gas this is bizarre of all of the rules of chemistry you would not think that this would happen first of all because if it it should be the same phase you know if you have water it should be that if you go one down it should still be a liquid and then suddenly it's a gas
0: okay because they're like okay that tracks because the whole thing is that they're the thing that they're more similar wow i can't fucking talk the closer they are the more similar they should be
1: exactly so this is something that you wouldn't think it makes sense and the answer goes back to hydrogen bonds Mm -hmm. because when you have your liquid i was about to pick up my bottle of water and wave it on the webcam which wouldn't help for the podcast demonstration (laughs)
0: It's helpful for me. I can see the bottle of water now. I got the visual demonstration. Terrible glug glug noises to probably have to edit
1: out later. Or keep for aesthetic, I don't know. (laughs) Um, So when you have water, what's happening inside that like group of water is that hydrogen bonding is happening. Those hydrogens are connecting to the oxygens on the other molecules of water. And that is making it stick closer together, which makes it liquid. Because gases happen when the molecules are further apart and they're moving more quickly. So,
0: so water is just always bonding with itself all the time.
1: Yes, and it's a hydrogen bond, so it's not like a full bond. It's still water molecule. I
0: feel like there's a joke I could make here, but <laughs> anyways, continue. There's a joke. I uh, know I'm not gonna say it. Anyways,
1: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so that is. The fact that water is a liquid at temperatures when similar compounds are not, that's what allows the oceans to exist. You know, that's what allows our bodies are 70% water, the existence of ice, the way the entire ecosystem works down to the cellular level, everything about life is only possible because of hydrogen bonding and because of water. And I think that's amazing. There's a bunch of other stuff I was going to get into about how important water is on a chemical level, but I think we should probably move on to like alchemy stuff for a little bit and then I can get back into that with the modern chemistry at the end sounds good so for alchemy water has pretty much always been considered a building block of life as far as I can tell
0: right in the first episode you talked about like water fire air and earth like way before we knew jack shit about fuck
1: exactly many cultures historically had a list of elements that were believed to like make up the world and water was pretty much always one of them uh, it's most well known as being proposed by Greek philosophers. The water, earth, fire, air is usually attributed to them. But there was a similar list in like a ton of cultures, from India to Babylon to China. The Chinese one's slightly different in like a philosophical way. That's kind of hard to describe without getting more in depth into it, and probably merits an entire episode. But basically, for all of history, humans have been pointing at water and saying, "Huh, that's some really important shit. We should learn more about it." <laughs> <laughs> And they were right.
0: And they were right, for one.
1: And so now we get into modern chemistry. In 1766, Henry Cavendish discovered hydrogen. And I read through the original source that'll be linked in the show notes. It was deeply confusing because they didn't really know like what elements were yet. So he's talking about this gas that he found. And he very specifically was like, huh, when you pour acid on stuff, it lets off a gas. We should figure out what that gas is and if it's the same thing if we pour acid on different things. Would you know, he was right. That was important to figure out. And he was also like, huh, interesting. It doesn't explode. Good to know.
0: I love that, like, between the first episode and this one, it sounds like a lot of early chemistry. I, I guess this might be true of just science in general. I'm not a scientist, but it sounds like these dudes were just fucking around and finding out constantly.
1: Oh, 100%. Honestly, I've bemoaned the fact that that's not how we get to do chemistry nowadays. Now it's like you have reproducible <laughs> results and be contributing to humanity. Why can I not just make a living off of pouring acid onto random shit and seeing what happens?
0: Gotta have that fucking scientific method.
1: (laughs) Let me be an evil wizard.
0: Let Thea be an evil wizard.
1: (laughs) Um, It's
0: what they deserve.
1: It is. It's what I deserve. So we, um, he discovers hydrogen. We cannot get into the discovery of oxygen right now because it is super complicated and attributed to like five different people and will deserve its entire own episode to talk about. But Oxygen gets figured out somewhere in there, so now we know what hydrogen is, we know what oxygen is, and then in the early 1800s, Joseph Gay-Lussac, which is the best name ever, and Alexander Humboldt discovered that water was made of two parts hydrogen to one part oxygen, and study pretty much took off from there. Nice.
0: So they finally were like, we got this one thing, we got this other thing. This thing that we've been studying for thousands of years is these two things.
1: Exactly, because... With all of these different, like, four elements beliefs, usually it was that the whole world was made out of those, and the belief was that those were, like, the smallest things, that you broke everything down and it was made of, like, water and earth, or fire and air, or water and fire, or whatever. And then, so, it was, like, alchemically, philosophically, a a key point when you discovered that water was made of other things, actually.
0: Okay, yeah, that tracks. It was, like, maybe everything isn't actually made of these four things,
1: Exactly, these four things are made of other things, and then fire isn't actually a thing at all. It's just energy, which still messes in my head.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, how do you break things down and get fire? Did they ever? Is that something that ever actually happens in science, or were they just like, well, fire is a thing, and we're not sure what else it is? So,
1: um, well, sometimes you're um, mixing chemicals, and then they catch on fire. And if you don't know what fire is, you could probably think that you separated down into being fire. <laughs>
0: That's really funny, actually. What? I unlocked the secret. It's made of fire.
1: <laughs> that definitely did not happen last time I was in the lab that we were doing an experiment supervised by our TAs and someone um, put the chemical in where it was supposed to go and then said, hey, excuse me, my test tube caught on fire. And then they did the other test tube. My other test tube is also now on fire. The TAs told the rest of us to not do that part of the experiment. <laughs> 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 being a chem major is fun um, <laughs> so anyway that got us up to modern science and so now I get to spend I think the rest of our time just gushing about other fun chemistry things
0: I think kind of what this podcast is all about 100% oh,
1: one of the other, um, most important things I should touch on though is that um, one of the key points of water that makes it very very useful is that we use it to determine like I think all of our calibration for temperature scales.
0: Well, that's interesting. I thought, wait, maybe I'm an idiot. I always just think of mercury with uh, temperature and thermometers. Well,
1: mercury is what we use for to make the therm... Well, not so much anymore because we discovered it was toxic and people were getting poisoning. But it used to be what we would use to make the the thermometers and that would be the chemical inside of it. But we would calibrate it with water.
0: Okay, what's that mean? When I hear calibration, I just think of like computers
1: oh okay so calibration is when you like figure out where the markings go where do the degree lines go how much is zero because like you can just pour some mercury in a glass tube and seal off both ends and that's basically what a thermometer is but you have to figure out how Mm -hmm. how high is the mercury for each degree amount right okay and that's what calibration is and that's what we use water for because ice water is always the same temperature
0: okay okay
1: And there's like, you can put that whatever scale you want, 100 degrees Celsius. Don't make me Google Fahrenheit, I'm a scientist. (laughs) But it's always the same. Ice water is always that temperature. And so you take your, your new thermometer, you put it in the ice water, you wait till it stops moving. That is your 100 degrees Celsius line. Or not 100. I said 100 degrees Celsius. That's zero degrees Celsius. 100 is boiling. You put it in the ice water, it stops moving, that's zero Celsius. You put it in the boiling water, it stops moving, that's 100. And then you split up the space in between, you divide it by 100 and make a bunch of little lines, and now you have a thermometer.
0: All right. I was about to say it seems like that would be, like, harder to get it down to a smaller scale, because you kind of only have two points of reference. But I guess two is all you need if you, like, if it's regular the whole way through.
1: There may be other um, other ways to determine the more specific ones, but I am a student. That's how every thermometer we've used has been calibrated because a lot of the time before you use one for an experiment in a laboratory setting, you want to recalibrate it to double check that the lines are correct because sometimes it'll be off by a factor of like three right. degrees. So you like draw a line on it. And so you know that if you read 97 off of it, then your actual measurement you write down in your notebook is 94.
0: Man, that's so professional. When I was in high school chemistry, I think we just put that down as, like, probable um, limitations. It was just, like, thermometer might have been fucked up. We don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, my experience is a lot specifically in analytical chemistry, which is, like, the subfield where we do all of the nitty-gritty specific number measurement to make sure everything is precise. Like, calibration of instruments is a whole thing specifically in that subfield. So, Anyway, yeah, water has consistent factors like that. That if we want to get really nitty gritty, sometimes it's not exactly right because you have to account for how far you are, like above sea level, because atmospheric pressure can mess with it. But that's not like unless you're like trying to bake bread on a mountain. That's mostly not relevant in most people's lives. But yeah, it's hugely important for all of science. Another fun thing that I love about water is that it's both an acid and a base.
0: Okay, this. I know a little bit about this that but doesn't that just mean that it's just like, if it's both, then it's neither. Right. I, I remember that it's zero on the, um, on the scale from one to 15 or wherever it goes.
1: Right. So there's a lot of different ways that acids and bases are determined. What is them? And I'm going to give the, the definition that's relevant to water. So people who actually know science don't come at me. I am well aware of like Lewis acids and I know that NH4,
0: Don't worry. I don't think people who actually know science listen to this podcast.
1: That is fair. But, like, who knows? Maybe we'll get one in five years and then they'll listen back and they'll be like, Thea doesn't know about lewis acids and I have to cover myself. I want to make sure that I understand how any (laughs) door works. Gotta save your
0: pride. Gotta save your pride. I can respect that.
1: I just, I gotta make sure they, I I do know how they work. I'm just only going to give the water explanation because it's for Evie's sake.
0: It's about their professional dignity, guys.
1: It is. I must have Did I just talk about wanting to be an evil wizard? Yes, but we're going to preserve my professional dignity. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. At the most bare bones definition, if it loses a hydrogen in solution, it's an acid. If it loses an OH minus in a solution, I'm going to reword that because I lost my words and we. Yeah,
0: what's uh, an OH? So it loses both the oxygen and the hydrogen.
1: Okay, so, like, at its most basic level, when you have an acid and you put it in solution, it is something that will detach. And that's a pretty common thing you'll find is that, like, things dissolve in solution and then that molecule kind of split apart. So, like, when you have a jar of salt water, what you have is a jar with a whole bunch of sodium ions and a whole bunch of chloride ions. Okay. They're not technically holding together anymore when they're in that. They've disassociated. And so, acids and bases...
0: Okay, this, so the... Man, I'm, I'm not... When So when salt's in salt water, it's not salt anymore.
1: It is acting like salt. It tastes like salt. It's not going to poison you like chlorine gas would, but it's not, like, sticking together as salt okay. chunks, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I thought you said, but I wasn't sure. I wanted
1: to check. Yeah, 100%. So acids and bases are usually defined by how they act when they are put in a solution, usually in water. But, um... When you put an acid in a solution of water, it's going to lose a proton. It's going to lose a hydrogen. And so you'll have the big chunk. Sometimes it'll lose several hydrogens, especially if it's got several of them, like sulfuric acid. So you'll have, like, the ion that's, like, the, the negative part of it. And then you'll have the protons floating around. And that is actually, that's how the pH scale works, is that it's not a measure of, like, how much something burns. It's a measure of how much, what is the ratio of protons that are floating around.
0: How many uh, hydrogens get yoinked when it gets dropped into the- Exactly. Okay. And do all all molecules have hydrogen?
1: Not all molecules, but a lot of them do because it's kind of like the- uh, I like to describe it as like the baby safety outlet plug of the chemistry world.
0: Okay. Yeah. I know know vaguely about this. I remember little diagrams with the spokes poking off and there's hydrogen on, on the ones.
1: If you have like a random place sticking off of a molecule that is like a little bit negatively charged and it needs something to cap it off so it can be a happy, complete molecule- Nature just sticks the hydrogen on there.
0: Hydrogen will just zoom in and just, you know.
1: Yeah, like so many molecules have hydrogen. Like not so much when you get into like metal stuff, but like biologically, just just about everything has hydrogen.
0: So, if this is like a theoretical question and it may be complete nonsense, but if like a molecule that doesn't have hydrogen, would that be like still affected by an acid?
1: yes and no if there's Um, no
0: hydrogen to take
1: oh oh no okay so acid acid doesn't isn't taking away hydrogens okay right i don't think i explained this well acid loses a hydrogen and that the loose hydrogen is what makes acid effective
0: i am not tracking
1: Okay, so I think that it's important for this conversation, because we are discussing, like, at a scientific level, how do we define acids and bases? This is not about things that you see in the movies where you pour it onto something and it sizzles and it melts.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, no, we're talking about, like, lemon juice.
1: Right. We're talking about, like, lemon juice. Soap is usually alkaline. Or basic. Why did I try to describe this on a podcast? I need a blackboard. <laughs> I need a blackboard and some chalk.
0: It's a personal challenge. It's um, it's a trial for you.
1: Okay, so it's like if you had Legos and you had, you know those like triangle-shaped Legos where they're like smooth on top and you can put it on top of a block and then you can't put anything else on top of it, right? Sure, yeah. And you can use those like build a roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... An acid is, like, you have one of those on top of a block, and then you put it in water, and then it separates, and it loses the triangle bit. Okay, okay. The triangle bit's for hydrogen. We count how many triangle bits there are, and that tells us what the pH is, with a little bit of math.
0: All right. I think I am following. Okay, I, I, I feel like I got confused there for a second, because... It still sounds like hydrogen is coming off of things that are put into acids.
1: It's coming off of acids when they're put into other things.
0: Okay, that's where I was confused. Yeah. I, I, I had it backwards. Okay, okay, I'm following. I think I'm following you.
1: And then this is why I wanted a blackboard. Because if I had a blackboard, I'd be like drawing a picture of the hydrogen and of the acid, and then I'd be like circling the hydrogen and marking it off, and then there wouldn't be this confusion.
0: <laughs> the curses of an audio-only medium.
1: But yeah, so it's coming off of the acid. When you have a base, you have that same Lego piece, but you have, like, a curvy piece on top instead of a triangle piece.
0: And what's what's the curvy piece if the triangle piece is hydrogen?
1: Hydroxide ion, ion which is OH-. minus.
0: So oxygen and hydrogen.
1: Yeah. And so you put the base in something, and it loses the curvy piece. And then you count how many curvy pieces you have, and then that gets you technically POH which is like the opposite of pH and you can get pH from it. It's a whole thing. What water is is you took a triangle piece and you put a curvy piece and you stuck them together without any of the middle pieces. Right, right. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. So it's the bit that makes an acid an acid. Because, okay. Yeah, because you have an oxygen
0: oxygen and hydrogen, which is the OH, and then you have another hydrogen and that's H2O. Okay. Okay. It's
1: the bit that makes an acid an acid plus the bit that makes a base a base. And so it can act like both depending on the circumstances that it's in. All right. That does not mean that it's like melting things, but it means that like scientifically you can use it to like balance things out. And it also means that when you take an acid and a base and you combine them and you have them react with each other, like when you do vinegar and baking soda, usually what will happen when you take vinegar, you mix it with baking soda or any other acid and base. Like we use strong stuff in the lab to do this, is that the two regular Lego pieces from the acid and the base will react and do whatever thing and sometimes they'll like let off gases or they'll give you like a solid product. Or they'll give you that foam for the
0: baking soda volcano.
1: And then like the volcano fizz up. Yeah, because I think with baking soda and vinegar, you get those uh, carbon dioxide gas coming off of it. And that's what makes the fizz because it's like bubbling up from inside the liquid because, yeah, baking soda is bicarbonate, yeah. So what happens is that you get those two bits off of the acid and base that will react with each other however they want, or sometimes they'll go off and do their own thing, and then you get your triangle piece, and you get your curvy piece. They click together, and then you get water. This does not mean you can drink what you get when you mix an acid and a base. Sometimes what you get will kill you. Sometimes the water is mixed with other things. I want to make that very clear. But when you mix an acid and a base, there is almost always water mixed in with it, because that is what water is.
0: This is the heads up from Thea, guys. Don't go mixing vinegar and baking soda if you're thirsty.
1: And also don't drink cleaning chemicals. And also don't drink
0: cleaning chemicals.
1: I haven't had the opportunity to say it yet here, but I also just want to make it clear, don't mix cleaning chemicals. They will usually let off poisonous gases. Was
0: there someone who, like... Okay, once again, I am asking about just... This sounds like um, knowledge that was gained through trial and error.
1: Not for me, luckily enough, but I have seen a lot of people who ah, have gained.
0: Yeah, no, I was suspecting that you had been drinking cleaning chemicals.
1: Oh, yeah, no. Um, I'm not going to name specific chemicals because I don't want to be responsible for people doing terrible things, but you can usually, at a quick Google, there are very, very common cleaning chemicals that you mix them and you will get gases that were used for biological warfare. Ah, that'll do it. And people do this accidentally because they're just trying to clean their toilet and they can't get a stain off, so they add the other thing from under their sink and they don't realize, and then they let off a toxic gas, and then they pass out or get chemical burns on their throat if they're lucky, and they get found by EMS if they are not.
0: Don't mix cleaning chemicals, kids.
1: Do not mix cleaning chemicals. Very important. Because... I had this drilled into me from like the age of six or something because my dad was also a chemistry major. I have learned in the years since that not everybody does. I have told many, many friends this and had them respond, oh, hey, is that why my throat always hurts when I clean my toilet? (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Don't mix cleaning chemicals. This is not relevant to the water discussion. I just feel very strongly about it. And frankly, I'm surprised we made it to episode two without me going on a chemical safety rant.
0: It's important information to have in our chemistry podcast.
1: It is. It's vital.
0: We are giving important life lessons to our listeners.
1: This is as vital for your continued life as water is. Every time you drink water, don't mix cleaning chemicals. (laughs) (laughs) Important
0: life lessons from the Lead to Gold podcast, guys. Drink your water. Don't mix your cleaning chemicals.
1: Don't drink your cleaning chemicals. You can mix your water because then you'll just still have water. Sometimes you get lemonade. True. You can can drink a little bit of acid, but only if it's in lemonade. And by that, I mean chemical acid, not drugs. I'm not telling you to do drugs. Don't do drugs.
0: (laughs) 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 I think that that's probably the end of the episode right there. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this second episode of Lead into Gold. We made it to episode two. What? Insane. Hope you'll join us next time where we'll continue the pattern of me getting blown away by ostensibly simple topics when we talk about air.